From the Financial Times in New York, I'm Sujit Indap, and this is FT News. Joining me here is Robert Wright, the U.S. industry correspondent. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Well, we've had some pretty grim economic and financial and business news to start out the year. Markets are down, worries about global economic growth and oil prices, but there has been some good news in the U.S., uh, specifically U.S. auto sales, which have uh, rebounded pretty sharply. Tell us about what the figures uh, have come in and at and where we've, where we've come from since the financial crisis. Well, what we've discovered today, Tuesday, is that it looks like U.S. auto sales for the whole of 2015 are going to come in at 17.5 million light vehicles. That's cars, sports utility vehicles, pickup trucks, the kind of things that we generally see ordinary consumers driving about. But the significance of that is that that is an all-time record. The previous record was set in 2000, so that's a long-standing record, and um, it's a huge rebound from the levels that we saw immediately after the financial crisis. And so what were those numbers like at the financial crisis? It was something like half that, right? Well, in 2009, it was down to 10.4 million. So this is a quick bit of mental math. That's about 7.1 million rebound, about a 70% rebound, 70% up on the levels we saw just six years ago. Right. So we've got these record sales, Robert. Uh, at the time, six years ago, there's been a huge rebound. GM required this bailout from the government. Chrysler essentially failed, and there was this merger with Fiat to save it. Ford didn't require that, but they had their own problems. What What do we know about where the, the big U.S. auto manufacturers are right now? Well, really, the standout thing about where the auto manufacturers now is that they're in an immeasurably healthier state, even than they were in 2000 when this record was previously set. Back in 2000, very large numbers of the sales were um, to, to large fleets like car hire and mm-hmm. so on. Far more of these sales are, are to ordinary consumers. They're, they're retail sales. They're getting much better prices. Um, the vehicles look much more competitive with with foreign competitors, their overall cost base is lower. So right. that 2009 crisis was really you know, a crisis that didn't go to waste for the U.S. manufacturers. So they cleaned up their balance sheets, and uh, as far as labor goes, it's much cheaper to run a manufacturing plant uh, in the U.S. than it was, say, seven years ago. They got rid of a lot, a lot of their pension and healthcare right. costs, the kinds of things you typically see a troubled company sort it, sorting out in the U.S., yeah. And so at the same time, we're seeing these record sales. Uh, there is a worry that younger Americans, so-called millennials, are are shunning traditional uh, auto purchases. They're living in cities. They're doing rideshare. They're riding bikes. They're not starting families uh, as quickly or buying houses. What uh, Where does... Where does millennial behavior fit into to these numbers? Well, I think, as you know, I'm a cyclist, so I've always rather bought, right. bought into this view. I get about by bicycle, so I, I don't see why other people aren't going to do the same. Uh, but it does seem that part of the picture here, that there's a whole bunch of different things that have contributed to this record. But part of the picture here does seem to be that the millennial generation, the, the, the people in, the, in their 20s and 30s, um, do finally seem to be buying cars. For a long time, they weren't buying cars, and there's a huge concern on the part of the auto industry that maybe they wouldn't and it, it does seem that now i think i heard a figure from like 28 percent of purchases at the moment are by millennials so, so the economy people, has improved they've gotten jobs or leaving their parents basements and they're doing traditional kind of things we expect they're, they're, they're doing do. the traditional things you'd expect so robert there's a couple of other external trends that may play into the trends we're seeing in in auto sales specifically cheap oil uh, which has been going on for a couple of years now, and cheap credit. How do those factor into the the results we're seeing in terms of auto sales? Well, I think there's very little doubt that cheap credit has been enormously important to the recovery of the auto industry. Uh, we're seeing 
lenders extraordinarily willing to lend to people who are probably not terribly good credit risks. So subprime auto lending is back. Subprime auto lending is back in a big way. That's that's filling an awful lot of the sales. The role of the low fuel prices, perhaps a little bit more ambiguous. This boom in sales of sports utility vehicles started a little bit before the oil price started falling. But on the other hand, it is unmistakable that only three months after the oil price started falling, the average fuel economy of a new vehicle started falling as well. So people just took that price signal extraordinarily quickly to go out and start buying less fuel-efficient vehicles. And and that is really something that we, we see um, brands like GMC, right. General Motors, premium truck brand, doing extraordinarily well, doing much better than the wider company. We can perhaps get a little bit carried away with quite how important an effect is, but, but it, is, it is clearly important. And so these statistics on sales comes at an interesting time for the audio industry in terms of the calendar. So this week is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, uh, and next week is the Detroit Auto Show. And there's a lot of uh, hyper attention about what's going on with some of the technological advances in cars, not for this year or next year, but kind of broadly where the industry is going. So what, what are those things we should be paying attention to? Well, it strikes me that what's interesting about what's going on with, with some of these shows, and I'm off to Detroit on Sunday, as, as you know, is that we're seeing a kind of bifurcation between the stuff that's making the news and the stuff that's actually selling. The stuff that's making the news, an awful lot of it is these electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, things that are either selling not at all or right. in absolutely minuscule quantities. And in the meantime, people are going out and buying you know, big, big SUVs in many cases. <laughs> the, the low fuel price is really encouraging people that you don't have to settle for for something small and and hyper-fuel efficient. You can get something bigger. Uh, There have been fuel economy improvements in SUVs and so on. Things seem pretty rosy, uh, probably not reflected in stock prices because these auto manufacturers have international operations, which have been hurt badly. But give us some kind of predictions on where you think the industry is going in two years, three years, five years, whether it's consolidation, whether autonomous cars, connected cars, electric vehicles become important. What's a, what's a kind of the intermediate to long-term outlook? Well, a couple of things we need to think about. One of the things is the previous record was set in 2000, and clearly the U.S. population has got bigger since then. So that there is a long-term question, and I, I still think it's a long-term question, about whether car sales per head will ever recover to the level they were back in 2000. I, I think they probably won't. But it's also a very cyclical industry. It tends to do worse than the overall economy in bad times mm-hmm. and better than the overall economy in good times, such as such as we're seeing now. So I think we are probably going to see a little bit of running out of steam, maybe over the course of this year, certainly certainly the following year. And, and, and actually just because it's becoming more expensive to borrow, a lot of the pent-up demand that has probably fueled mm-hmm. what we've seen going on is... is beginning to be to to be satisfied but also just a few slightly alarming trends you can see that the value of incentives the money that a dealer will give you to buy a vehicle has returned to pre-recession levels so that's a sign that car makers are beginning to worry more about fighting for market share than than profitability so that that, that's definitely a, a warning sign i think for a lot of people and would you ultimately predict in whether it's three years or five years or 10 years, the big three in Detroit becomes the big two, that there's going to be some kind of global consolidation just because there's probably too much capacity out there? Well, there has, 
for a long period there has been too much capacity, particularly in Europe. Um, I, I'm not sure we're necessarily going to see consolidation in the US. Three is a relatively small number of big car makers for a market like the US, but I mean, it's entirely possible we'll see consolidation in other parts of the world. You see some car makers that are that are definitely struggling, but you know, for, for the moment, I think really the the story in the US is everybody wants to be in the US market, and yeah. it's doing very well. It's extraordinarily profitable for people, and and I think for the moment, people are just relieved. Only six years after possibly the industry's worst crisis to right. be in one of its greatest ever boom times. Well, very interesting. We'll look forward to your dispatches from Detroit next week. I'll look forward to it. Thank you, Robert. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.